Mm-hmm. Well, good morning, church. You might have seen me walk back there. I thought that's where my notes were. Good luck to you. Well, my name is Dan. I'm the contemporary worship leader, but I get the honor and privilege of preaching today. And I want to let you know we'll be continuing in our series, Mission Impossible. To do that, uh, you might need a Bible. So if you need a Bible, if you didn't come with one and you'd like to read along, you can raise your hand. We've got ushers on either side of the room that will make sure that you get one and pass one along. Just keep your arms raised nice and high like that so they'll be able to see. It's perfect. All right. So what we are uh, finding out in this series all along, this Mission Impossible series, is that Jesus has set us up for an impossible mission. It's to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that Jesus commanded. And that mission would be impossible were it not for uh, the final part of his command that I will be with you until the end of the age. And Jesus is with us, and he, and he leaves us a comforter, an advocate, uh, the Holy Spirit to come along with us, to empower us, to propel us on our way. And so that mission can be possible. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you the end of the sermon at the beginning, and you can tell me if they match up, all right? I'm, what I'm going to try to convince you of today is that God wants to use who you are All right, God wants to use who you are, but he might change how you are. All right, quick example of this. Some friends of mine, they had a church uh, that they belonged to, and that church had a sister congregation uh, that was uh, in a closed country. So this is a place where you can't be openly religious, can't bring in Bibles, can't bring in scriptures. Uh, So they were trying to figure out, okay, how can we bring Bibles to this church? church. And so they were letting their congregation know about this, know about uh, the community, about the the need they have. Hey, if you guys could pray about this. And uh, this guy in the congregation, he comes up and afterwards and he says, hey, I think I can help you uh, with your situation. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. Didn't know if he was maybe in politics or uh, some sort of diplomat or something. They had no idea. They're like, so what what do you do? And he's like, well, I don't do it anymore. Um, I kind of used to be a drug lord for the cartel. So I can get anything anywhere. <laughs> God wants to use who you are, but he might change how you are. <laughs> so this guy who was formerly sending drugs places they shouldn't have been was able to uh, find a way to make these Bibles make it into that country. So in the same way, God wants to take you from your drug dealership and uh, bring, make you a dispenser of the word. Let's open our Bibles because this is only going to get worse. <laughs> Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be today. Acts chapter 9, if you're in a Quest Bible, that's on page 1607. We're going to uh, encounter a character that we have not yet encountered yet this summer, and this is Saul. He doesn't appear for the first time here, though. We kind of jumped over him a couple weeks ago in Acts chapter 7. At the end of the story there, uh, if you have your Bible, you can probably just turn back uh, a page. At the very end of chapter 7, it says, The witnesses who were there at the stoning of Stephen, we talked about everyday Stephen, and how he was uh, killed, he was martyred for his faith. Uh, It says, uh, The witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And a little further down, and Saul approved of their killing him. And on that day, uh, I'm just jumping into uh, chapter 8 a little bit. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And while godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged 
off both men and women and put them in prison. Hello, Saul. He's pretty much like public enemy number one against the church. He's the guy who, if he had his way, I really think he would have single-handedly stopped the church from being the church if he could. Because what he did, and this is jumping into chapter 9 now, he went to the religious leaders in the city of Jerusalem and uh, asked them for letters. He said, hey, can you give me permission, basically, because I'm going to go down to this city called Damascus, and if I find anyone there who belongs to the way, and that's what they called disciples of Jesus at the time, because Jesus was the way, so followers of the way, if any are found belonging to the way, uh, he was basically going to imprison them, bring them bound in chains back to Jerusalem so that they could face the same end as Stephen did. That was Saul's mission. That's where he's going, and that's where we're going to pick up his story in verse 3 of chapter 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I'm sure he'd been persecuting a lot of people up until now, was going to persecute more, but he doesn't know who this is specifically who's accusing him of persecution. And he says, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, this would have blown him away because Saul, as a Pharisee, uh, which we find out in his uh, later writings, because, hey, if you didn't know, this Saul, it's like spoiler alert, this Saul uh, comes to faith and he becomes the guy who writes a good portion of the New Testament in his letters to the church. This is Paul the Apostle. Uh, but he is uh, encountered by Jesus, and we know that he's a Pharisee. He is a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows the, the law. He knows the scrolls. He knows the scriptures, um, and he believed, along with the rest of the Pharisees, what they had said happened to Jesus, uh, which was that the body of Jesus had been removed from the tomb, that the disciples had made the, the resurrection up, and that there was no resurrection of the body. So for Saul to hear uh, this is Jesus whom you're persecuting. That's, a, for so many reasons, a huge shock. But Jesus tells him what to do next. He says, now get up and go into the city, and there you will be told what you must do. Uh, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Well, Saul, he got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He was struck blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He didn't eat or drink anything. This is, this is Saul's encounter with Jesus on the road, on his way. Bam, just happens. New character. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord said to him, Go to a house of a guy named Judas on Straight Street, and when you get there, I want you to ask for a guy named Saul. He's from Tarsus because he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias says uh, very humbly, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. This is how I imagine he talks. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. God, as if you don't know, let me update you, right? But the Lord said to Ananias, go. 
This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Kind of got the whole Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth just wrapped up in that statement with uh, Saul here. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Good point to just throw this in here. Saul, you know, we know him as Paul. And I thought for a long time that somewhere in this conversion story, like God was like, you are no longer Saul, you are now Paul. Simba. Uh, But that's not exactly how it happened. Turns out that Saul and Paul are basically just the same name in Hebrew or in Greek slash Roman. So it'd be like Alejandro, if he were to move from Mexico and come to the United States, you'd probably call him Alexander or Alex. Similar type of thing. But that's uh, what happens. And Saul, he spends several days with the disciples in Damascus. And while he's in Damascus, I'm sure it's going to be just like last week. We heard about Philip who encountered uh, the Ethiopian in the chariot who was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the guy's like, I don't understand this stuff. Any of you ever feel like that reading the Bible? I feel like that sometimes. I don't understand this stuff. And uh, Philip's able to say, well, let me interpret it for you. This is about Jesus. I think the disciples did the exact same thing with Saul. They're like, Saul, you're a Pharisee. You're a smart guy. You know the scriptures. But let us teach you how to interpret this in the Jesus way. Because this Messiah you've been looking for, this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, this great one who comes after David, this is the guy. This is the guy. And you're persecuting him. But this is the guy. And he's like, whoa, mind blown. The cool thing is, uh, when Ananias Ananias laid his hands on Saul, he was both healed of his blindness, and I'd say he was healed of his unbelief, because he comes to faith. Ananias baptizes him, and then uh, Paul, Saul, I'll use his name interchangeably, uh, goes on to become one of the greatest missionaries that the world has ever, ever known. And the Holy Spirit did that in him. The Holy Spirit brought him to faith. after the Holy Spirit brought him face, when he went through the learning, I think for some of us, the Holy Spirit might be at work in us, but we still need some of that, some of that learning, some of, that, uh, some of those opportunities. And so if you know somebody who really just needs a little more of the intellect tuned in, like, hey, uh, this by faith thing, it's not really for me. I want a little more proof. I want a little more hard evidence. If you know somebody like that or you are like that, we've got a sweet opportunity this coming Wednesday at Anchor Coffee. We have an event called Ask Away. And the uh, topic is, can I trust the Bible? So if you want to hear more about and, and really ask about, uh, can you trust the Bible? This is the place to be. It's right in downtown White Bear Lake. We're excited about this. Um, and I hope to see you there. And definitely invite people if you think that there is someone who you think to yourself, yes, I should, I should uh, bring them. And, and don't just invite people who are like already like, Like, yeah, I'm already a Christian. I just want to know more. I mean, you can invite them. uh, But what I love about this passage about Saul is, well, Saul was still breathing murderous threats against the disciple. Jesus encountered him on the road. It wasn't like this guy was like, well, yeah, you know, I I pretty much already like Jesus. So now's the perfect time to tell me about him. He was totally against Jesus. So if you know somebody who's totally against Jesus, invite them. They can have coffee on me. It'll be great. God is in the business of doing uh, amazing things in our lives and in our hearts. He wants to change uh, not who we are. He's going to use who we are, but he's going to change how we are. And you see this again with Paul. He, he is still an intellectual, smart dude, 
passionate for God and very zealous, as we saw, because he was killing Christians. But now he's an intellectual, smart dude who's passionate about Jesus, and he's making more disciples than anyone at the time had ever made. It's incredible. Uh, As we look at ourselves and what God wants to do with us, uh, I think it's encouraging to know that God doesn't want to like eradicate our whole selves just to make a new us. Like he already made us once. He's not going to have to remake us again, but he is doing a new thing in us. He is rebirthing us and uh, he's going to change how we are to move in his direction. Um, Maybe it's not as radical as a former drug lord, uh, you know, who's now carrying Bibles. Maybe it's not uh, this guy who was persecuting Christians. Uh, Maybe it's a normal everyday thing. Like, I used to play in punk bands, and then I played in punk bands for Jesus. Like, it's not a big deal. Uh, Maybe you work at a uh, restaurant, and you are serving in a way that has more love than your fellow servers. Maybe uh, you're a student, and when you go to school, the Holy Spirit is working in you to see the unseen and the people who are normally overlooked, but you see them because God is working in you through that. All of these are opportunities where God can just use who you are, what you enjoy, what you love, and then just move them in that direction. And there's two main, I like to think of, of split this into uh, two main areas that we can be. One of them is what I was just mentioning, which is out in the world, out wherever your sphere of influence is, wherever you are, that's where you get to be a kingdom bringer. That's, that's what you do as a Christian. Uh, and then if you are here, which is our other location, our other venue for the glory of God, uh, we get to put God's work on display here. And the way that we do that is by saying two simple, well, really, one word. You say, yes. Can everybody say, yes? yes. It's easy. It's easy to do that. Uh, Saul, when he got struck on the road, did you think about this? Like, Jesus said, now go to Damascus. And we all kind of took it for granted that he went. Like, okay, and then he followed because Jesus told him to. Like, no, he followed, uh, and he didn't have to. He could have said, no, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem where, where I know. I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to work it out. But Jesus said, go, and he said, yes. Uh, in the same way, we have the opportunity to follow God's call when he prompts us. We can say, yes, or we can say no. But I pray that if God is moving you and calling you, that you will say yes, because your yes, as we saw with Paul, can echo into eternity. You have eternal influence, eternal impact, because of who you are, where you are, following Jesus. I just want you to imagine what uh, the church itself. Have you ever thought about this? Uh, I've been thinking about it recently. What would this church look like on a given Sunday if there were no volunteers?
so glad you guys got that joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, my name's Anna, I'm the welcome coordinator, and that is my team that you guys just watched. I just think they're a bunch of ballers. They just, I love those guys. So, gosh, I'm gonna get emotional. This is such a great message. Um, you guys, like, God chose you. He created you. I know that the stories that we heard about, this, even this video, it seems really black and white, you know? Literally, no human beings in a building, and then all these wonderful people saying hello. The story of Saul, this murderer, killed people all the time, and then was one of the biggest advocates for Christianity. Those are seemingly extreme examples. But every single one of those people in that video had to say yes to being on this team at some point. And they created a team that makes an impact that is global. And Saul said yes, but also Ananias said yes to going and talking to someone that he had no interest in talking to. And I bet there were times when Saul had to practice his new lifestyle because he's the same guy just operating very differently. And I can imagine when people were first talking to him, they sure didn't want to talk to him about God. Because who would believe that? We all have things that we overcome in our lives, right? And we all have things that we think that we either get to do or not get to do because someone could do it better. And in America, you got to leave it up to those people who are willing to kill and destroy to get what they want. And it's about, you know, being the center of attention and earning your right to be heard. And that is so not how God operates. He is of the people who are imperfect, putting them right where they're at to love in the smallest ways that have the greatest impact. And so I want to invite you to remember that as you think about where your say yes is. You know, it's incredibly painful to think that we won't get a monopoly on Perry Peterson anymore to be able to serve in ministry alongside of him. But Perry Peterson had to say yes to God calling him to something that is so different than the 20 years of ministry here. And we're going to continue to partner with him in a brand new way. And Dan McMahon had to say yes to one on his first missions trip with 27 students who said yes to seeing God's impact in their life. Every single one of you, I look at you guys, and the reason I get emotional is because I see yeses all over the place as I look at your faces. I could call out a yes in you, in almost all of you. Even if I know your name or not, I probably have noticed a way that you said yes to God. So if you don't know where you can say yes to God, and if you don't know what your gifts and talents are, this is literally the space where you can turn to your neighbor and you can have that conversation. Ask somebody, what do you see in me? Ask somebody, will you pray for me because I don't know what God wants me to say yes to. But you've got to look for God in your life, and that's when he is audible in ways that you probably don't even know. You know, Saul literally got him to talk to him out of the clouds, and that's incredible. And we think that that's never going to happen to us. But I bet you will be shocked at how obvious God can be about how amazing you are and how he wants to use you if you look for him. So let's pray about that today. Lord God, I thank you that these people are in this room and that we are family and that we get to say yes to you in our lives. Lord God, I ask that you would help us to see you and look for you in the hard, look for you in the good, look for you in the miraculous, the conversations that we have, the struggles that we're in, Lord God, that you would give us the opportunity to say yes to you in all of the moments so you get louder and louder and louder in our lives. And it feels like you 
are the one that we hear above all else. That is our desire, Lord God. We lay that before you. And if we don't know what those things are that you've called us to, may we ask one another, may we ask you, may we look for you, Lord, because the whole purpose of our lives is to glorify you, be in relationship with you. So may you increase and may we serve you however you're calling each of us to do so. In your precious and holy name, amen. So today we've got our Say Yes wall out in the commons, and there's a bunch of different ministry opportunities out there. It's not an exhaustive list. So we want you to start by just looking at it, having conversations with each other. If something sticks out, pick up the card, turn it over, put your name and your email on the bottom or your phone number, and all it's going to do is it's going to start a conversation. A staff member will reach out to you directly to talk to you about what you said yes to. But if you don't see something on that list that you've called, you feel like you're being called to, go to the front desk, come over to the orange wall and have a chat with us. However it is, whatever God is calling it, you too, we want to encourage you in that. And thanks so much, Anna.